Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Ready, Just call me Swanee. Finally, Clemson Sports Talk has come back to drive time. Hello, everybody. Lawton Swan back in the saddle. Once again, it is the show that shakes the Southland. It is Clemson Sports Talk. And, of course, earlier today, Clemson picking up the commitment of an elite wide receiver out of the state of Florida, Troy Stellato. That information available for you over on ClemsonSportsTalk.com. But we begin with a story that we talked about yesterday in an incredible series that's upcoming on your television station, a television station near you, Clemson's Greatest Games, and our good buddy Richmond Weaver, the host of Rich Take on Sports, joins the program to talk to us about this venture that he's been a part of. During these times, Richmond, I think this is just what's going to you know, be perfect for Tiger fans to whet their football appetite. Well, we're hoping so, and it's an honor to be here talking with you a lot, and I greatly appreciate you letting me come on and actually talking about it uh you're obviously a big voice in clemson nation and we want to make sure that we can get this information out because i agree with you i think this is a time where there's so much going on right now obviously with the pandemic and the protests just everything in the world seems to be somewhat of a negative tone and i don't mean necessarily negative because i think there's some positive things that can come out of all of this and we're hoping so but this is also just a time where I think that we can take a few moments and just take a break. Because that's what sports does for us a lot of times. It's to take a break from the realities of the world and just have some entertainment. And I think with this project that uh, we've been able to work on with Clemson Sports and Campus Marketing and WSPA and obviously uh, with Clemson Athletics is that can we also walk down memory lane a little bit and relive some of those games that uh, are really special in so many of the hearts of Clemson Nation and, and the fan base? And, I, and I'm excited that uh, Clemson Nation will have an opportunity to walk down memory lane. Well, and, and that's one of the things I, I wondered about this. In a, in a world where sports continues to come at us daily from a global perspective, the storylines never stopped. There may not be maybe time in the market for something like this. Is this a byproduct of having that open availability to to fill TV space, in your opinion? Or do you believe this would have taken place no matter what? Yeah, I think that's a very good question because, as you probably know, Lawton, 
life is about timing and there's many examples of that but with this there's definitely an aspect of it that timing was probably in our favor uh with this project mark childress who is the brains behind this and he's you know co he's the host of the mark childress show on uh, 105.5 the roar uh, the upstate and he had the idea and approached me back in late 2019 talking about you know what we need something to relive some of these great games obviously we know national championships big bowl games and also you know uh, semifinal games those are great games for clemson historically we, we get that but within regular seasons there's games out that are monumental and so his thought was that hey let's uh, have an opportunity of showcasing those games and really tell the story about the game and the behind the scenes type of things, the, the emotion behind certain big plays, the game itself, whatever it might be. And so with that, we had the thought of, okay, could we do something, but we need Clemson to have their blessing on this. We want them to help us package it all together uh, and really get behind it. And so we approached JMI Sports and Clemson Sports and Campus Marketing with the idea, and this was early 2020, and obviously the world was normal then, as far as you could say normal, right? Sure. And then the, the pandemic hits, and obviously sports stops, and then all of a sudden, live sports is gone where's the content and it was just a fortuitous type of situation that we had this idea we had some concepts in our head and had showcased that and presented it to uh, jmi sports and clemson and it just made sense because they needed some content at that point and so i would have to say very similar to the last dance the michael jordan documentary it you know they they pushed that to get that out because they knew they had an opportunity of capturing the nation or the world with that and we feel you know on a small level like that that could we do that with the same thing here and it just worked out uh, really favorable for for us to be able to put this together and and we're still running 100 miles per hour lot and i'll tell you <laughs> pulling all this together right now because we've got 12 episodes of highlighting 12 different games and what we're calling season one, because we do hope this is going to be something that uh, we can continue uh, to produce and provide this walk down memory lane. Richmond Weaver hosts Rich Take on Sports in addition to everything that he does with Pronk Studios and our good buddy Mark Childress. And uh, again, the series is called Clemson's Greatest Games. It kicks off tomorrow, which I know has to be exciting for you guys. Tim Beret is a weekly guest on the program on Thursdays, and uh, I know the opening uh, feature is going to be about Clemson and Syracuse. Many people will maybe call that the Chase Bryce game for uh, eternity. What's incredible about that game, and Tim brought this to light, is that it's often now overshadowed by what Clemson did to Alabama in the national championship, by what Clemson did to Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl. And, you know, when you look at the, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Back to the Future. And in Marty McFly's world, man, you'd need a DeLorean to fix things had Chase Bryce and Travis Etienne not led the Tigers to victory that weekend. Without a doubt. And I think this was one of those games and people, as you reflect back on it and especially once you're able to watch the episode 
and you'll understand just again the importance of this game not only that the Tigers were able to win the game but is the way they did it I mean they the adversity that they had to fight through for the whole week obviously with Trevor Lawrence getting knocked out but even before that it was the Kelly Bryant uh situation happening where he's demoted to second string and then doesn't show up to practice and there's all of these questions what is he going to do and then we obviously hear that he's making right. a decision to not to be with the team anymore and and transferring and then that thrusts all of a sudden trevor lawrence into an even bigger spotlight and obviously also chase bryce now he's moved up to second string and then the worst case scenario that can happen and it's almost like was that murphy's law <laughs> that trevor lawrence was going to go down because of everything that else was happening you know with kelly bryant leaving the team and was there going to be a quarterback that could be in that second string spot and then for chase bryce to be able to come up the way he did because it looked like it was not going to be clemson's day that game it just seemed to be all things all signs were going Syracuse way and just could the Tigers actually pull together I mean they were down 16 to 7 at halftime and then somehow fought back and I think it really everything turned in that second half when Dabo Sweeney and the coaching staff they decided what you mentioned earlier give it to Travis Etienne and the rest of the guys on the run game and let's run it down their throat. And I think that allowed Chase Bryce to, you know, gain some confidence. didn't have to worry so much about, you know, what he had to do. He could just play football. And then he got comfortable. And obviously the fourth and six makes the big throw mm. to T. Higgins. And, and yeah. yes, exactly. Right. And, and when, and they, you know, cap off the drive and uh, with a score to take the lead. And what's very interesting also, Lawton, if you go back, that drive, 94 yards, and it was 13 plays, and they threw one pass, mm. and it was on fourth and six. The rest, it was all runs. And, again, it just showcased how strong that run game was. And then the euphoria of that game, I really feel in understanding how they were able to fight through that adversity, it catapulted the Tigers into that run for the rest of the season. Because if you look back, they didn't really have any other close games, maybe up in Boston College, cold Friday night, you know, and it was, you know, a relatively uh, closer game. But outside of that, the Tigers, they, they, came, they came to play every game after that. And I think that game just showcased, you know, what they could do and understanding how they could come together as a team. And they were obviously on a mission after that game. Again, Clemson's Greatest Games, it kicks off tomorrow on WSPA in the Upstate, WJBF if you live in the CSRA over in the Augusta area, WCBD in Charleston, and watch Fox 57 in the Midlands of South Carolina, along with our friends on the coast on WBTW in Myrtle Beach. So Tiger fans all across the state will have an opportunity to enjoy Clemson's Greatest Games. We're talking with Richmond Weaver here on Clemson Sports Talk today about the opening matchup in this series, and that's tomorrow, Syracuse 2018 in Death Valley. Ironically, Tim Beret, who I feel like has been at every Clemson football game, perhaps since World War II, it feels like sometimes, uh, was not at this game. He was in France. Richmond, where were you? 
I was actually in the stadium. And so I remember this game vividly and it is burned in my memory. Was just <laughs> thinking back to, oh my goodness, is, is this, how can this happen again? Because the storyline is just incredible. If you think about it a lot and just the fact that this is Syracuse who had beaten Clemson the previous year and Kelly Bryant had been knocked out of the game in Syracuse. And then now in Death Valley, Kelly Bryant is not there, but it's Trevor Lawrence that gets knocked out of the game. And I can tell you, Lawton, again, I was there, and I remember that play distinctly when Trevor Lawrence gets hit. I mean, it is a thud, and it's Trevor Lawrence hits the ground and then rolls over, and and you could tell it it was a bad hit. And as he rolled over and just laid there for a few seconds, that's when Death Valley knew. They were like, "Uh oh!" And the stadium was silent, complete you, silence, uh, that waiting moment, to see what was yeah. going to happen. At that moment, Richmond, do you think it was about the Syracuse game, or do you think people thought he broke his collarbone and it could be the season? Because it was a deathly I, hush. I said what you just said, Lawton. I was like, "It's over. He just broke his collarbone. He's not coming back at all." <laughs> <laughs> The hit was so vicious, and you yeah. could see it. I mean, because they showed the replay, and it looked like how could his shoulder and collarbone survive that type of impact? Because it didn't really look like it was something that could cause a concussion. I mean, I know it, it obviously could, but the way the hit, it wasn't as direct on the head. It didn't seem, at least from my angle and some of the replays. So I immediately thought season's over for Trevor Lawrence, that he's not going to be able to come back because mm. – of it was going to be some type of shoulder injury dislocated or you know a broken collarbone something that would be much more substantial than a concussion and obviously very fortunate that it was a in all reality a slight concussion I mean knocked him out of the game but you know Lawton there's there's some guys that have a concussion like that they're out several games and so Clemson was very fortunate and the Tigers, of course, will go on to win the national championship that season, and it all goes back to that Syracuse game. Again, it debuts tomorrow. It is Clemson's greatest games. Richmond Weaver, again, he has a fantastic podcast. You want to check this out, whether you're a Tiger, Gamecock, Bulldog, Yellow Jacket, or Seminole. Rich take on sports with special guest does an unbelievable job with that. And we're going to definitely talk about that for our listeners here coming up. I know we've had you on in the past, but uh, you, you can't talk enough about the show that he puts together and the many great interviews. But from that perspective, you guys are also bringing in former players to be a part of this deal. Uh, how interesting is it to hear it through the eyes of the guys who are on the other side of that helmet? That's what makes the show so special, Lawton. It's not so much any type of commentary that we can provide in reference to the game itself and what it meant. And, you know, not only from just the season, but even more that it's the stories that the players can talk about because they get to relive it. And just even having like Kendall Joseph talking about it and him texting me after having the opportunity of sitting down and then just talking about how he still gets chills just talking about some of the plays and some of the memories. And so it's great for them to be able to now tell a little bit about the emotional side of the game itself or particular plays and just hearing some of the things that are going on that you might not know. Cause I mean, just the, the aspect of 
the pressure of the situation or just being so tired and having to fight through, all right, this is the 99th play against Louisville and we've got to make a stop here on fourth and 12. You know, and what that is like and them describing the emotions going into that. So that's one of my favorite parts of all of this is that you get to hear the emotional side of these guys who were there, who were in the middle of it and and tell the story so you get a different perspective from it. I think one of the unique things I've learned from this business is the fact that it's a, it amazes me how much the defensive guys will know about it, it's like a golfer. They could tell you, well, I was I was short of the green on hole 3, I chipped up, putted two you know, two putted. They can recap that entire that entire round. These defensive players can pretty much recap almost the entire game in their mind's eye. But they can't really tell you a whole lot about the offensive side of the ball either because they weren't out there. They're typically getting ready to go back out there. I just have always found it fascinating of how when when players really break down a game, I mean, they're breaking it down from their singular perspective of, of what goes on. Like if I talk to John Simpson about how good Trevor Lawrence is, he's really only seen it because he's watched film. He can't turn his head around and, and you know watch Trevor Lawrence. And I, I love the fact that you guys have these players telling it from their perspective, Clemson's greatest stories, folks. It kicks off tomorrow. You're gonna love it. DVR, etc. You know, I don't know if you got a VCR still at the house. Get your VCRs ready to purr if you don't have a DVR. But uh, <laughs> Richmond Weaver and our good buddy Mark Childress. I'm kind of disappointed. I thought you were gonna say Mark Childress was really the special catalyst to what this show brought to the audience. <laughs> well, we do know that because he is the brain. Yes, so we've got to give him a lot of credit that uh, <laughs> he is the glue that holds all of this together, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he's you know, he's but it he, really, he's got a great vision, and I think that's the thing that maybe people who don't know Mark's name yet from his work with the Tailgate Show, uh, from his work on you know the Mark Childress Show and the stuff he's done to fill in at times on WCCP. Mark has a vision for what he wants, you know, how Clemson should be seen and heard. And that vision's really, it's already started previously, but this seems like the next big step for him. It definitely is. And I think this is just the beginning of some other ideas that he has. So this is a building block. And I think we've got the opportunity of really doing something special with this and then what it, what else it can lead to. And uh, Mark Childress is definitely going to be a guy that you'll continue to hear in bigger and better things because he does have different ideas and different visions uh, and wanting to build upon the whole aspect of the storytelling. And at, we all know we love stories. We, I mean, that's, the world turns based on stories being told right. since the beginning of time, right? And that's what is so great about this is that how can we package these games, these seasons, whatever it is, into stories because that's what captures an audience. That's what leads to engagement and evokes the emotions because not only is it uh, emotional for some of these players when they're talking about these games in particular moments, but it's also for the fans as well because they can remember where they were, what was going on. Obviously, say a Notre Dame game, I was there in the hurricane, basically. I mean, just the memories and being able to pass those memories down and tell the stories is, is something that not only for the players, but also for the fans. And I think that's where Mark. He wants to be able to bring that aspect 
to the fans as well to continue the storytelling and and holding on to those memories. Again, it is Clemson's greatest games, and depending on what market you are in, it will start at different times, but it is going to be for everybody, really, in the state of South Carolina. You can actually head over to ClemsonSportsTalk.com to learn more about the scheduling or find uh, the information over on Instagram as well. Multiple ways for you to be a part of things on that front. You may not have known this, and we're going to hit a break. We'll come back. Richmond was also part of the Clemson Tiger basketball team in some respects. He'll tell us those stories right after this. Back at it on a Friday afternoon, Lawton Swan, Richmond Weaver hanging out with us here, getting into uh, some of the many stories uh, of his career and uh, the role that he played with the series Clemson's Greatest Games, which is really going to be unbelievable, I think, for a lot of Clemson Tiger fans. So again, make sure you head over to ClemsonSportsTalk.com and, and check that out. And We'd love to have you become a premium subscriber if you don't already. Just $63.17 for an entire year. I see sites giving away this, that, and the other. Uh, but I, I think a lot of times that's because the, the price point's wrong. And $63.17 sounds perfect, doesn't it? Just $0.18 cents a day, all the podcasts, more digital content uh, than any other site. And again, Richmond Weaver, the host of Rich Take on Sports, joining us here on a Friday afternoon. And Richmond, I know you got many, many stories to tell. And one of those things that we haven't talked about yet is you know, your career. One thing we haven't mentioned about you is, is that when you were at Clemson, you were actually a part of... Uh, some of Coach Cliff Ellis's teams in the late 80s, early 90s. Walk Clemson Tiger fans through and our listenership through how you got into that aspect of your life and then ultimately some of your post-college career. Well, I was a huge sports fan growing up, and basketball was my sport. And, you know, I had a dysfunctional family background. Never knew my biological father, and my stepdad and mom were alcoholics throughout much of my childhood. And so sports was my safe haven. That was my escape and, you know, where I found camaraderie and love and acceptance and obviously all the other things that you could understand about sports with adversity. You know, if you fall down, you get back up, all of that. But I wanted to be a college basketball coach. And, you know, I, I thought I was also maybe good enough to play at the collegiate level. Well, I tried to walk on at Clemson because I wanted to go to a big school. Yeah. I, I loved the, the the big football universities, all of that. And I grew up in the Atlanta area. So Clemson was very close, but it was also out of state. So it felt far away. <laughs> so I could right. say that, yes, I'm going way away from home. Because I <laughs> wanted to be a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because I wanted to be just a little bit different, not go to Georgia and, you know, some of the local uh, and nothing against them, but I I just fell in love with Clemson's campus. And I remember I actually never even walked on campus. We drove through and it was pouring down rain, so we couldn't even get out. But as we drove and saw the stadium, I was like, this is it. This is where I want to go. So I reached out to the coaching staff and said, hey, I want an opportunity to try to walk on. And so Cliff Ellis at least afforded me that opportunity. And that was a humbling experience, though, Lawton. Because I thought I was a decent basketball player until yeah. I was up against 
Ricky Jones, uh, Derek Forrest, David Young, Dale Davis, Eldon Campbell, Marion Cash. I mean, that team in 1989 was stacked. And that was a team that won the regular season ACC title. So a lot of Clemson fans will remember that was a really good team. And if it wasn't for Tate George making an unbelievable shot, mm. Uh, in the NCAA tournament, I'm convinced yeah. that team makes it to the Final Four because they would have faced Duke, and we had already beaten Duke uh, to win the ACC regular season title uh, previously, and so I felt we had Duke's number that year. But Cliff Ellis let me stay on that staff as a manager, and that led me into coaching. So I was able to kind of fulfill my dream and I was a low division one assistant coach at Fairleigh Dickinson University for one year and two years at Maryland Eastern Shore. But in 1996, our staff at Maryland Eastern Shore got fired. And I thought some things were going to actually work out in my favor to join Cliff Ellis, who was now at Auburn. And things didn't work out. And next thing I know, there's really no opportunities and pride got in the way because I could have had some JUCO opportunities. But I'm thinking to myself, Lawton, Hey, I'm a Division One assistant coach. I can't go to junior college, right? Because you know I'm I'm too good for that, right? Pride got in the way, and nothing was really there. And so I thought that okay, I'll just wait till the next Final Four happens, and then I can get reemerged into uh, coaching changes. But it didn't happen because once you're out, it's really hard to get your foot back in. And and then at that time, also I had taken a a job just temporarily uh, in medical device and in a sales career started having some success. And then next thing I know, it's another year later and then a year. And now we're in 2020 Lawton and I never got back into coaching, but wow. in 2017, yeah, it hit me that man sports. I just, I, I need to somehow be connected, you know, back into sports. And I'm telling my kids that, you know, we're at, at dinner Hey, you need to follow your dreams. You need to follow your passions. You know, don't give up. You know, when things are going rough, you know, all of the dad cliches, right? <laughs> I'm telling my, my teenage kids, right? And then I remember Lawton that night, brushing my teeth, looking in the mirror, and it's that seminal staring in the mirror type of situation. And I'm looking at myself and I say, that was a great speech, coach. And I'm looking at myself and I say, that was a great speech, Coach, but you're the guy who gave up on your dream of coaching college basketball at the first sign of adversity. And it was so true, and I, I felt that, man, okay, so what can I do to understand that you can continue to follow a dream, and maybe it's in sports, maybe not, what, whatever. And I knew that sports had been such a big part of my life that I couldn't be the only one because there's so many people that gravitate towards sports. I mean, the societal pull towards sports is amazing. And I wanted to hear other people's stories. And so I, I had become a podcast consumer and Lawton, you're a big part of this because I had seen what you were doing and I, I just loved the content that you were producing. And I was like, you know what, I've got to somehow be able to do something as well. And, you know, I decided that I was going to try to start a podcast, and lo and behold, it was I was fortunate enough some things worked out, and I remember when Clemson wins the national championship, Deshaun hits Hunter Renfro, we're celebrating as a family going crazy, and I'm jumping up and down screaming, yes, 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 and 
And I'm also screaming, I'm starting a podcast. I'm starting a podcast. <laughs> I love that part. I love it. Uh, man, because I tell you. It, it just showed me that anything is possible, Walton. Anything is possible. And so I was like, I'm determined to start it and launched it in May of 2017. And we just recently celebrated three-year anniversary. It is absolutely humbling uh, when people say things like that, Richmond. I appreciate it, man. I'll tell you what, we're going to hit a quick break. We'll come back with more. Richmond Weaver, host of Rich Take on Sports and also a big part of uh, Clemson's Greatest Games, coming to a TV near you. Uh, Stay with us here on the show that shakes the Southland. It is the show that shakes the Southland, the people show, Clemson Sports Talk on Twitter at Clemson Sports and your website, ClemsonSportsTalk.com. So during the break, I did grab this real quick. Uh, The on-air times for Clemson's greatest games this weekend in the markets that we mentioned on WSPA and the Upstate, it'll be on uh, Saturday at 7.30 p.m. in the uh, CSRA on WJBF, that's Channel 6. It'll be on at 11.35 on Sunday. Uh, in Myrtle Beach, you can catch it on Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Uh, in Charleston, you can catch it on Sunday at noon. And on Watch Fox 57 in Columbia, you can catch it at 10.30 in the a.m. on Sunday. So a great weekend ahead for Clemson Tiger fans for sure. And you know, Richmond, I I was thinking during the break about what you said about my show and its influence on your show. It is uh, humbling a lot of times when people tell me that because I know I was one of the early starters in this kind of podcast world, but Richmond's podcast, Rich Take on Sports, folks, is unbelievable. You're going to love it. And I think the, the, the niche that you've captured And I I think I've told you this before. It reminds me of Inside the Actor's Studio to some degree because I feel like for whatever reason, I think a big part of it is is who you are and the way you navigate these interviews. People let their walls down a little bit more than I think they do normally. And we really begin to hear and feel what's driven people to where they are, you know, with their life in sports and, and. And that's what I really love about it. So when you're thinking about what you want to do, I mean, when you go into episode one, and now you're at what, episode 135 or your 135th guest? 136. So you got... Yeah, yeah, just released 136 with Tom Luganville. But uh, episode was with Maria Taylor. At what point, Richmond, you know, do you recognize this is the you know, kind of the type of show I want to have? Well, I remember thinking about the podcast in itself and the concept of it, because I didn't want it to be a opinion-based type of podcast where I'm just giving an opinion about a certain game or reliving, uh, you know, storylines or breaking down X's and O's. And I love those type of podcasts. Don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah. I, I value those. and I listen to those because uh, I, I want to hear those type of things. But I thought I wanted something to be a little bit different to hear that behind the scenes uh, type of things with these guests and you know what their journey was like. Because one of the things that I think also gets missed in 
when we have athletes and people on TV, whatever it might be, coaches, we think their life is a certain way and that they got to this point just easily. And now they're, you know, at the top of their profession. And it's not that way. They go through the same struggles, ups and downs that every one of us go through. And there was an aspect, you never know what one little bit of information might be inspiration for somebody else. Give them a little bit of hope that, oh, wow, I didn't know that, you know, that person, you know, lost their brother in a tragic wreck or right. lost their parents this way and had to overcome that type of adversity or were homeless, you know, for several months. And now they're one of the best quarterback coaches in the nation. You know, those type of things that you just don't really know. Uh, and maybe it could be, you know, an inspiration for somebody. But it was also about how sports shaped their life and impacted their life. And that's what I wanted to really uncover because I'm fascinated still by because of my own journey of how sports affected me, how it does so many other people. Because, I mean, we're seeing it right now, Lawton. Just think about, obviously, there's the headlines as far as the pandemic and what that's doing for the whole globe, and then also the protests going on. But there's also, how many of the storylines do we keep hearing when is sports coming back? Right. Why can't we get sports now? What, what, you know, what does it mean if there's not going to be football in the fall? I mean, those are major headlines, and not not just from the perspective of we know there's so many dollars associated with sports because it is a business, but just from the aspect of what it what it is for society and how it brings so many people together and can give hope in so many different ways. So that's what I wanted to be able to capture with some of these guests and have it where it's very conversational. Uh, and some of my early episodes, Walton, I apologize to anybody that listens to some of those early ones because I was a little bit rigid and I learned just through so many different opportunities of sitting down with interviews is that just let it flow, let it be conversational uh, and, and let the story you know, wind itself without having, you know, one set agenda. Now I have a, a certain guide that I want to, you know, uncover and hopefully talk about, but I just want the conversation kind of flow where the guest wants to take it. And I think that does help in terms of getting them out of the traditional interview mode where they become a robot. And we've seen it all the time. They, you know, athletes, TV people, they have their talk track and they can't veer off of that. Right. But I want them to be able to veer off of that and, you know, talk about their personal side. And the one thing that I tell them too is that, hey, just remember, we're talking about something that you're an expert on. So you have all the confidence in the world because it's your story. You lived it. All we're doing is just talking about it. And I, I think that is what makes uh, the podcast appealing to a lot of people. The website, Rich Take on Sports. You can head over there and check it out. Three years in the mix now doing his show, Richmond Weaver. And again, his latest guest, Tom Luganbill, who uh, actually spoke with Tom not all that long ago. And, and man, he's got some stories from growing up in Southern California that are absolutely incredible, including I know Tony Hawk being uh, a name that, that he knew back in the day. It's just kind of kind of wild because I, I don't know when you when you get ingrained in an area, 
of of college football like the Southeast. It feels like Luganville is a Southeastern guy, but he's a West Coast dude, and I guarantee you, you're going to love that episode of Rich Take on Sports with Richmond Weaver. And we're up against a uh, hard break here, so I'll tell you what we're going to do. We'll pop Richmond back on hold. Uh, he has been tremendous to hang out with us, and we hope we can get a good bit more out of him here today on a Friday afternoon as you travel around the great state of South Carolina and beyond listening to the show that shakes the Southland on fantastic radio stations like Fox Sports Radio 1400 in the Midlands, Sports Radio 100.1, The Fan in Florence, and 920 AM in Manning. It is Clemson Sports Talk on a Friday. <laughs> I may have said Sports Radio 100, 100.1, The Fan. Friday afternoon here on Clemson Sports Talk. Lawton Swan with you on the guest line, Richmond Weaver. And, and Richmond, you know, I, I'm thinking about the greatest games, the Clemson's greatest game series that you guys put together. And, and the thing that I really don't know is about your relationship uh, with Mark Childress and how you guys got connected. Yeah, it was all through Mark Sturgis, uh, who was previous you know, host of uh, straight it with Sturge in Greenville on ESPN Upstate, and so I had uh, come in contact with Mark, and it was interesting. Mark Sturgis, that is, and it was interesting how I got connected with uh, Mark Sturgis because I had bid on an opportunity to do a somewhat of a behind-the-scenes tour at ESPN Upstate, and so I ended up uh, winning that. I was the only person who bid on it, so I didn't have a whole lot of competition. <laughs> but so I. Yeah. <laughs> I got to do the behind the scenes tour with Mark and it happened to be right before March Madness was starting. And so I was telling him my story that, you know, I used to be a college basketball coach and he said, Hey, my co-host uh, Price Atkinson is out of town this week. Why don't you jump on and we'll talk about the, uh, uh, you know, NCAA tournament coming up since you're a coach. <laughs> I just bid for a tour. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And I was like, okay. So he threw some headphones on me, put me in front of the microphone, and I taught college basketball for three hours. And I was in love with it. And this, <laughs> you know, again, I, I had had the whole idea uh, of this whole podcast, but I had only told my wife yeah. that I was wanting to do the podcast. And so this was, again, wow. right before March in, of 2017. And as I was leaving the studio, uh, Sturge, yelled to me and said, hey, hey, Richmond, do, just one more thing. Hey, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And when he said that, that was just even more motivation. I was like, all right, God, I hear you. It, it, it is on. We're definitely <laughs> doing the podcast. <laughs> and so through that, it actually led to me becoming uh, a co-host on ESPN Upstate with Greg McKinney on The Huddle. And so I did that for uh, over a year. And that's how Mark Childress and I got connected. He had recently moved uh, from Atlanta to Greenville, and he was, you know, wanting to do some local radio stuff because he had been in uh, uh, sports before. Right. Uh, he did some stuff with Pete Yannity years and years before he had moved to Atlanta, and so he was trying to get back in, and so we got connected through Mark Sturgis and we just developed a, a bond, a relationship, and we did some shows together, and we hit it off, and we just. We just have a 
um, I, you know, a, a, a unique combination of we can feed off of each other, kind of the yin and yang type of thing. And so we're a good combo and we thought about, okay, what's some other things that we can do? And so we started doing you know, the ring, which is something that we, we started. And again, this was Mark Childers' brainchild is talking about, you know, upcoming NFL and college football games and, you know, highlighting uh, some of the games and just continue talking about the other type of opportunities. And, you know, as he was listening to my podcast and looking at other opportunities, what else can we do to help other podcast people out, not only from an audio side, but anybody that's wanting to do video side as well. And so we got also connected with Will Stewart, who is the founder of 98 Central, a video production company in Greenville. And the three of us came together and said, all right, we, what can we do uh, to have some type of studio that can assist and help produce content for people in an affordable way? Uh, because we know it, it can get expensive. Uh, obviously, I, I know that you probably know all too well, just the production side, it can be an investment and you do a great job with it because you got high production uh, level as well. And so, but we wanted to give, you know, opportunities to people to get their voice out there. And so we uh, founded Pronk Studios in Greenville and uh, have been showcasing various different podcasts and shows, um, you know, uh, 4th and 16 with uh, Ellis Tolbert and also, you know, the Mark Childers show we broadcast from there. And I do some of my episodes uh, when possible. Uh, with you know rich take on sports, so it's just been a great uh, opportunity for Mark and I, and then Will with Pronk Studios to, to pull all this together. Uh, but the friendship that Mark and I have re really started just from local sports radio and us wanting to to do something maybe just a little bit different and a little bit bigger. Your story never ceases to amaze me. Richmond Weaver hosts a rich take on sports, but a Big part of what's going on with him and Mark Childress right now is obviously the investment that they put into Clemson's Greatest Games. It kicks off tomorrow. Clemson football, that's right, on your television tomorrow, recapping Clemson's victory in 2018 over Syracuse. An inside look at it. All the major markets really around the state of South Carolina have a chance to tune that in. And, and uh, you can go to Clemson'sSportsTalk.com uh, to find out all that information. Richmond, man. I could talk to you for three and a half hours, but only have a two-hour show, buddy. But I appreciate you coming on, man. It is always fun. It is always fun. Well, I appreciate it, Lawton. I, we, I could do the same thing, talk to you for hours. And I'm going to continue to harass you, though, because I want all your listeners to hear more of your story, you and I sitting down. So be ready. We're getting this thing scheduled, I promise you. You know, I don't get nervous much. Uh, when you every time you tell me that, I get a little ball in my stomach because I don't have to open myself up a little more than than usual doing your interviews. <laughs> Richmond, have a great weekend, man. I appreciate it. Best of luck tomorrow. I, I know you guys are excited. Thank you, Lawton. Appreciate it. Richmond Weaver here on Clemson Sports Talk. That's awesome. Uh, I can't wait for the opportunity to be a part of his show. If you've never heard it, uh, I would encourage you to go check it out again. Rich Take. On sports, uh, I know I, I made the comparison. I think it is a fair one. It is a sports show that is 
incredible in the respect in which he digs into the background of so many people. And it reminds me of, of Inside the Actor's Studio, which was a show for many years done very well by a man named James Lipton. And Richmond just has a knack for that. His interview with Dabo Sweeney he did a few years ago, unbelievable. You want to go check it out. Rich take on sports. Hour number two, Clemson Tom joins the program. Stay with us here for more of the show that shakes the Southland. It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Just call me Swanee. Is our number two. That's drive time right here on the show that shakes the Southland. An incredible hour with my buddy Richmond Weaver on Twitter at Richmond Weaver. You can follow him there. Rich take on sports. I would encourage you to jump on that podcast. And again, uh, in multiple markets over the weekend, some on Saturday, some on Sunday, the debut of Clemson's greatest games. Incredible. I cannot wait. I saw the teaser. You can go to ClemsonSportsTalk.com. About 40 seconds of goodness. Dive in on it. 803-450-0086. There's your text line. 803-450-0086. He's a man that lives in the state of Florida, but his heart resides in Clemson Tiger Nation. He is Clemson Tom Tom. What's going on, big guy? It's Friday, five o'clock. It's me and you. Yes, teaming up, teaming up at the top of the hour. Yeah, we're like the uh, two astronauts. What are their names? Like Doug and Bud or something? That America just said Buzz, the Buzz Lightyear. Buzz <laughs> Doug. No offense to the Dugs out there, but I wasn't sure a Doug was ever going to make it to space. But congratulations to all the Dugs. Hey, congratulations, Doug. Good job. Now, look, you Did live you in Florida. I, I mean, could you sure. see, like, you know, I, I selfishly am a little bit of a nerd. And, we, you know, when there's a little space flight like that, I like to try to peek out and see if I could see anything in the sky. I mean, from where you were, could you see anything or did you even try to look? Yeah, yeah. We're actually 45 minutes away from it. Yeah, we could see it just fine. It was no biggie. Oh, I did, well, uh, we could see it just fine, Swan, you big loser in South Carolina who couldn't. You just, it really looked like a, it looked like a shooting star. You can just see, like, the, the tailwind. It kind of looks like a little silver thing in the air. It was kind of cool. Doug and Bob. That's, who's in, that's who went up to Doug the International Bob. Space Station. That is uh, spectacular. Speaking of which, if you ever saw the movie, um, God, what was that movie called with uh, Rick Moranis and those guys? Um, Strange Brew, Bob I think. Strange. Those guys were Bob and Doug oh. McKenzie. So it figures America would send Bob and Doug to – Space, nonetheless. But, Tom, one of the other big storylines took place today. Uh, Justin Ross had successful surgery, according to his Twitter account. We know he's going to be out the entire season uh, because of a, a issue that he was dealing with from birth that was discovered uh, when he had some 
some lingering stinger issues. And uh, it is a team that's loaded at wide receiver. They, they obviously are continuing that as today they picked up another big-time commitment that won't help them this year, but down the road another four-star commit right there out of the state of Florida. Concerns, where are you with Justin Ross not playing as a big Tiger fan? Not really. I mean, I'm more concerned for him personally. Um, I just hope he turns, you know, football aside, you know, I just hope he, he's okay, you know. Um, he's a fantastic football player. Um, so hopefully he'll be, you know, okay there. But as far as, like, the the wide receivers with us, I am not sweating bullets at all, man. I, I think we're going to be just fine. Well, and thinking about uh, the standpoint of, you know, from the, that standpoint, Clemson's offense, you lose T. Higgins. Uh, to the NFL. Now Justin Ross is out with the injury. I was on a, a radio show, JB and Goldwater, the other day, and they asked me, they said, do you know who the leading returning wide, or the leading returning receiver is? And, and it's actually Travis Etienne, which... Yep, it's Travis Etienne. <laughs> you know, how, does that, you know, how does that make you feel, knowing that not a boatload of experience, so to speak, that will be out there? Man, I'm, honestly, I'm okay with it. They're gonna they're gonna get experience regardless of who's out there. I mean, Justin is just one guy, um, and he's 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 a phenomenal player, obviously. But we've got such a good group of guys around us that we'll miss him. Yeah. But I mean, it's plug and play at this point. Remember the time when Mike Williams broke his neck and he was out for the whole year? People were like, how are you going to beat Alabama? How are you going to do this? Well, we ended up being okay. I mean, we didn't beat Bama the year he was out, but we did okay. Or right. did we beat Bama the year he was out? No, I think no, he came back. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, well, that was the season, and and just just give you an idea. That was the season uh, again. Mike Williams goes out in the uh, the opening game, and then Deion Kane doesn't play in the semifinal against Oklahoma. But you're still right there in the ball game against Alabama in the waning moments in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Minus two unbelievable players. Yeah, yeah, we're like we'll be fine. Um, I'm not sweating at all. Do I want them there? Yeah, is it going to hurt us? Obviously, but we'll be fine. It's not like we're, we're going to lose Trevor. Even if we did lose Trevor, I'd be like, well, it's the kid you know, from California. Who, I can't even pronounce his name. Yeah, just DJ. Uh, DJ. Go DJ. That's my DJ. DJ. That's my DJ. You're right. You're right there, Cash. I'm sorry, Birdman. Um, that's just what we're going to have to call him, DJ. But, yeah, I, I'm not worried, Swanee, man. It's Clemson yeah. at this point. It's plug and play. Now, Tom, there is some – speculation out there about the fact that the NBA is is putting the pieces of the puzzle to get a season back up and running right there in Orlando. What's the word on the street in that area on that front? It's looking good. Um, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be like a March Madness or something kind of a thing. Yeah. Now, how many? How many? This is the thing I was talking about the other day. I just don't know enough about the complex. I mean, do you know how many? <laughs> courts and and things are we talking about or, or is it is this going to look like a glorified basketball camp or is it going to look you know summer league or is it going to look like arenas it's it's kind of it's i don't know man they're they're still kicking it around it's going to be playing at disney um it's looking like they're going to do like an eight game season and then like a best of seven or something like that um i don't i really don't know it's something like that they're talking about it but i don't think anything's really quite set in stone. I'm just glad from basketball on, man. Um, that's that's one thing. And then another opportunity to go out there and see other teams. I don't even know if you can go watch the games, but if I can, I'm going to go out there and and at least, you know, see different players that you, you know you, you don't normally get a get a chance to see, but I don't think they're allowing fans in the stands quite yet. 
Yeah, it's going to be something to watch. I know I heard the state of Texas made a ruling uh, earlier today that they are going to allow an increased capacity into venues. They had initially stated they were going to do 25%. That's now been taken up a notch to 50% capacity. If that is uh-huh. the case at Death Valley, if Clemson were to be able to maneuver to that level, we'd be talking about maybe 40,000 people uh, in the stands. That's quite a big number given that it wasn't all that long ago we weren't sure that we were going to have a football season. Do you agree? Yeah, I do agree. And even if it is 40 and I can't get a ticket, I'm still going to be tailgating 30 yards away from your Swanee. I'm still going to be there. You're still going to be there. <laughs> we're just going to have to watch it from the parking lot, brother. You know how we're going to do it. And we're going to fill up the parking lots. The games are still going to be played. The fans are still going to show up um, regardless. I mean, even if you can't get a ticket, then you're just going to have to be in the parking lot. But we will be there. I can guarantee you that. We'll be loud and proud from the parking lots and the tailgate spots. I can't wait. Well, I'll also say this. There were thought there was there was thought out there, at least, that perhaps, Tom, that there will be a loss of home field advantage because of the coronavirus. If this is what we end up with, 50% capacity, mm-hmm. I I don't see how home field advantage is really lost, quite frankly. I mean, 40,000 people in Death Valley is... That's pretty much, that's pretty much all, all your home field. I mean, 40,000 people screaming is still going to be good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're going to see a little bit of it because that's half the stadium being filled. But even if it's home field advantage, you, you still got to... You still got to go out there and play the game. I mean, you can see it when it's like against uh, Louisville. Uh, they started off a lot of false starts, a lot of missed snaps, and that was because of the crowd. Oh, yeah. We were just so loud you couldn't, you couldn't hear it. Yeah. That kind of stuff is going to be a factor because you you can tell the difference between 40,000 people screaming and 80,000 people screaming. It's a good point. Clemson Tom's on Twitter, at Clemson Tom, and again – uh, he is a huge Clemson Tiger football fan that formerly, can we say formerly, of uh, YouTube fame. I have a sneaky feeling, had TikTok existed, Tom, when you were kicking off your YouTube career, you would have been a bigger TikTok personality than a YouTuber. Fair or unfair? Mm, that's up for debate. That, that's You've that's, got that's slick dance moves, Tom. Don't hide behind it. <laughs> I wouldn't have done any of those TikTok dances. I can promise you that. Definitely wouldn't have done those. No one wants to see me dance. Tom, everybody wants to see you dance. No, I ain't dancing. My I've seen the tweets. Are, Are you on TikTok? <laughs> no, I'm not on TikTok. I'm an adult. I'm on TikTok. Are you on? Of course. Well, that explains it. That's where everybody everybody's on well, TikTok, Tom. You're on TikTok for the show. I'm not on TikTok at all. Only TikTok I'm on is punching the clock every day. <laughs> I remember when TikToks were just breath mints. Yeah, yeah, those are TikToks. Those are the ones that we oh, gave you. TikToks. We keep throwing hands at you. Don't pick up the hands. I honestly never used them. TikToks. Huh? Yeah, TikToks are good. Yeah, yeah TikToks are like the renegade candy that kids would bring to elementary school because they thought they could get away with eating it. It's like, yeah, nah, teach. This is for freshening in the breath. Yeah. That's T- true. Tom, listen. Good. They always got the orange ones. Listen, Tom, in, 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 you know, more in a bigger sense, let's talk about uh, some of the, the, the social issues that are going on in our country. And I know it's, it's often difficult to, to deal with in, in times like this, but when you 
take a look back and and see you know all of the conversations that are going on from college athletes to professional athletes um and and the messages that are out there um what has been i guess your biggest takeaway from the the recent events from the standpoint of uh, activism of uh, for social issues in our country today i'm not sure which where you're going what do you mean well, I guess what I'm uh, what I'm saying is, what's where's your mind been on some of the things that you've heard from you know athletes that are out there? Oh well, honestly, I mean everyone's got their own opinions right now. Um, I think certain opinions get blown out of proportion a lot more than anything else. Um, you see, it's honestly you, you, you see, Dabo probably said it best. He's, sit back and just listen. Um, me and Caitlin actually had to have a conversation with our, our seven-year-old about what's kind of going on. And yeah. him at seven couldn't comprehend, you know, what exactly was going on because, I mean, he has, he has friends of every credo sure. um, and he couldn't, he couldn't understand it. And so it's, it was a tough conversation to have because you're, you're not really tough, but because uh, I don't have a problem explaining, you know, what's right and what's wrong, but it was tough to explain it to someone who, was so innocent with it yeah. that uh, he was like, yeah, he didn't understand, you know, you know, why certain people didn't like certain people. And, and then it's all, it's everywhere. It's on ESPN. You can't, I mean, shoot, you can't do anything. You right. can't go anywhere without people talking about it. And then, you know, we live close to downtown Orlando and, you know, I've got helicopters flying over, you know, flying over my house. I got, you know, protests literally down the street from me. Um, and you can't hide that. I mean, you know, the roads are blocked off and, you know, it's as long as it stays peaceful, man. I'm I'm protest protest away. Right. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think every everything's getting kind of, you know, it's getting kind of crazy. So. You know, well, and I I think too, as human beings, everyone was already a bit on edge because they've been essentially cooped up for two months, and yeah. and so there's 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 this underlying stress, you know, that I that I hope and. I really pray that, you know, our, our listeners, not only in the Midlands and in Florence and in Manning as well, you know, find that this show takes them away from some of that. But, you know, this is unfortunately kind of been a week where we've had to dig in on some very important and, and you know, pa- topics that are painful sometimes. And uh, I think it is I think one of the most difficult things to do as a human being is to look yourself in the mirror and say, how can I be better? If that weren't the case, people wouldn't have issues with, you know, how they look in terms of their body and their figure, or people wouldn't, you know, have issues uh, about just everything, uh, keeping up with the Joneses, social status. It's sometimes tough to just look at yourself and say, all right, I've got a really good life. What can I do to be better? Or maybe, Hey, you look at the mirror and you go, man, I've got it really tough. And maybe I've resorted in the past to some bad things. What can I do to be better? But checking yourself in the mirror is perhaps the most profound thing that maybe anybody could do. And I found myself routinely in recent weeks uh, really thinking about, you know, how can this show be a a catalyst to change? And I, I told this story yesterday, Tom, and I'll tell you. One of my buddies was driving home uh, from work yesterday, and he saw two black gentlemen sitting 
by the side of the road. They look like they had been maybe working on uh, some construction or housing, you know, housing type work. And so the guy pulled over his truck and the two guys were sort of defensive, kind of worried actually about what was going to take place. And my buddy got out of the car and he just looked at those two guys and he said, I just felt like with everything going on in the world, I needed to stop to tell you guys I love you. And he said they started welling up, you know, they got tears in their eyes because we've got so much divisiveness out there. And the message I took from that is be the change you want to see in the world. And you've got a platform on social media. I certainly have a platform with this radio show and social media as well. And I, I really hope that this passion that's fire that's burning in my heart can be spread to guys like you and other people to be that change, to do, you know, to, to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and do the things that are necessary to make sure that your kids and my kids grow up in a world where these aren't the conversations that have to be had because people feel equal uh, across the country. No, you always are not. Yeah, you've said it. We've both said it on, on the show is uh, to be better fans. What if we yeah. be better people? You know, what I was talking about, you know, don't be those fans causing trouble. Um, be better fans, just be better people. And, and I don't think you caught it. It was on the other day on uh, a radio station in Clemson. Uh, Dutch Coleman was on talking. I heard about this. I haven't up. heard it. Um, uh, Dutch and I are buds. And um, I, he, during the show, I don't like, I won't text you during the show unless, you know, you know, about to come on. I'm like, hey, what time are you calling? Kind of right. <laughs> uh, but I, I had to. I was, like, I was like, Dutch, you're killing it right now. This is the stuff he was saying just it brought me to a different perspective like well i didn't i never saw it that way i never had to i never realized i needed to never it was never an option for me yeah to see it from someone else's perspective and the way he was he was putting it was it wasn't you know throwing it in your face or you know being aggressive it was just like you know, instead of like this what if it's kind of like the other way yeah and i'm like holy crap man and i told him dude like completely completely got me with that you know and um so it it complete it it was I I can't put it into words. I've been waiting for them. Maybe they put it on a podcast or something. I'm sure they it's up. It I'll uh I'll dig for it and see if I can find it too because I do need to listen to it. But you know the thing I said, and I, I think this is why it's so difficult for what Dabo Sweeney did the other day. People have kind of still been all over Dabo Sweeney about you know his comments not being enough. But I I said exactly what you just noted it is extremely difficult to put yourself in someone else's shoes and if you don't have a statement that comes out polished yeah it's hard to hit that mark even if you envision it and say okay this must be what it's like you still don't know no two pictures are the same because you can't have the same lens Uh, a lens can't be in the exact same spot in the world so it's very hard to tell what somebody else is seeing in their life tom brother thank you for your message Um, Thank you for the work that yeah. you do, and I look forward to talking to you next Friday, my man. Yes, sir, man. Have a great weekend. Clemson Tom here on the show that shakes the Southland. 803-450-0086. Be the change uh, that you want to see in the world, man. That's that's a key. And I heard about that interview uh, with Dutch Coleman and the conversations that he had. Uh, he is a heck of an individual. He used to be a co-host with our buddy William Qualkenbush. Uh, it was out of bounds with Qualk and Dutch before it became out of bounds with Qualk and Kelly. Uh, Dutch Coleman, uh, who I never called Dutch, uh, by the way. Uh, I always knew him as Harold. And it's it's even hard for me today to call him Dutch because I always knew him as Harold. And uh, we spent a lot of, a lot of days at the gym shooting hoops, 
a lot of days together in Tigertown. I was not in a fraternity, but those guys that were at Fike were my fraternity, and those were my brothers, and those were the guys that uh, I knew when I went downtown. Those were the guys uh, that you spoke with, high-fived, and uh, that, I think, has also been, for me, a part of the reason that I have been, again, more comfortable with these conversations than maybe some people because uh, those guys are my brothers and I care about them and I never want to see anything unjust happen to them. And so it's made me feel much more empowered about doing what I can to help. We hit a break. We come back with more. Stay with us. Happy Friday, the show that shakes the Southland, Lawton Swan. You can text us 803-450-0086, Yeah, you can be a part of the show uh, anytime, any place, and anywhere. I saw a note on uh, ESPN's main website today <laughs> as, as opposed to ESPN's non-main website. I guess, uh, talking about some of those uh, great finishes, wildest finishes in college football history. And, you know, we talked about earlier in the week professional players who we didn't get to see play really collegiately, not a ton of highlights of those individuals. And it is really, a, a there's a laundry list of guys that you could name. Right, you could find and and go back to, and and watch. But the problem is, for some of these guys, there's just not a lot of, you know, not a lot of footage available. But uh, they showed some of those uh, Colorado beating Michigan, the the Cordell Stewart, Hail Mary. I think the thing about that play, for me, that when I was a kid watching it unfold was the fact that he threw the ball. Cordell Stewart was standing. He starts to take his strides up from the 25 and plants his foot at like the 27-yard line. And this is why this play for me always stood out amongst so many other great plays is that he's on the road. He uncorks this ball from the 27, and it lands or is coming into the landing area, it would have hit at the goal line if nobody had touched it. And, of course, the ball popped up into the air. So he throws the ball essentially 73 yards. The ball pops into the air and then is caught on the road at Michigan. Uh, Back then, you know, Colorado had been a bit of a power during that era, they were a team. I can remember when Colorado football was a. I know if you're too young, you don't, you're going to probably laugh at this next statement. They were a bit of a force to be reckoned with. They really were. 
And for so many people, I think that are younger than me, that will sound ridiculous. But the fact of the matter is, in 1989, they went 11-1. and one. In 1990, they went 11-1-1. One one. I mean, they were a legitimate player in college football circles. Uh, they were, you know, they split that national title with Georgia Tech back in 1990. But from the standpoint of season-by-season season results and the way they were built, they still they still carried that billing, so to speak, uh, in 1994 and ended up going 11-1 that year as well, uh, winning the Fiesta Bowl and finishing third in the country. But that game was just awesome. I mean, looking back, Bill McCartney was there. In 89, they go 11-1. They lose in the Orange Bowl. In 1990, and they were undefeated, I believe, heading into that Orange Bowl game, obviously, and I think that was a loss to, was that Notre Dame? and Yeah, Notre Dame and Raheem Rocket Ishmael in that ball game in 1990. 89-90. Then the 90 season, they go 11-1-1. They win the Orange Bowl. They split the national title. In 91, they fall off a little bit, 8-3-1, and 9-2-1, 8-3-1. That's unbelievable. They they had ties in five, one, two, three, four consecutive seasons from 1990 to 1993, they had a tie. Thank goodness we got rid of that. Like, awful. But then in 1994, that season they go 11-1, and they were 10-2 with Rick Neusheisel in 95, 10-2 the following season. They end up having a 10 and 3 year in 2001. I mean, they, before they left to go to the Pac 12, they were pretty good ball club nationally for about 15 seasons or so. They were in contention and going to be in the top 25, maybe even the top 10. But that play, in and of itself, in the big house, was absolutely electric. Amazing. I never will forget watching. I never will forget seeing it. Uh, it is one of those moments that sticks in your mind no matter how many years removed you are from it. And to see that play again takes me back to so many late game scenarios. That play again takes me back to so many late game scenarios. And I, I know after review... Miami's kick return against Duke several years ago uh, was one that so many people uh, locked in on and, and talked about just what took place. Because you know, Miami's your traditional power. Duke's your traditional basketball program. Duke's got the game in the bag, and Miami has an eight-lateral play. If you haven't seen this one in a while or if you never saw it, throw it in your Google machine. Spend a few minutes <laughs> watching it. It might be better served to play some of the Keystone Cops music behind it. You know, those the bumbling cops that are kind of falling all over themselves because... I don't know if that's what the Keystone Cop sounds like. I can't remember, but yeah, there's also that kind of country twang music. But 27-24, uh, 
and Miami just runs the scramble drill on the road in Durham, yet somehow survives it and and does what I think every fan in sports wants to see. Like as a fan, that's what you want to see. Like you go to these games and you think, man, if we're down late, I hope we can pull off a, uh, you know, a Stanford, a Stanford Cal type finish with a with a kick return, pitch back, lateral, uh, rugby style win. But instead, sadly, it rarely happens. And in this game, it did. And David Cutcliffe looked dumbfounded. There probably should have been several penalties on that final play, uh, including players on the field before uh, their fellow teammate got into the end zone. None of that mattered. Duke won that game. Maybe one of the greatest plays in local memory in terms of that game and and my goodness, uh, the, the miracles that took place in the moments, the passion. Uh, looking back at those highlights during uh, the break, uh, Vince Young and Texas knocking off Southern Cal. On the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Oh. Keith Jackson. How great is Keith Jackson? That's a voice. Whoa, Nelly. That you really, you really miss. Then there was one they played. Uh, Tyrod Taylor at Virginia Tech. They're down five against Nebraska with like a minute and 15 left. They hit a big play. The guy's running the infield gets tackled at the three. And then somehow, I don't know what happened over the next couple of plays, but Virginia Tech's backed up to the 12, facing a third and goal, and Taylor keeps the play alive, keeps the play alive, and finally uh, finds a wide receiver in the back of the end zone. Uh, Again, regular season game, but the finish there was just incredible uh, on so many levels. And so you, you you look at some of these memories and moments, and that Cordell Stewart one was obviously another big one for a lot of people. And I said before the break, Duke won. You know I meant Miami. I don't know where my brain was. This was one. Texas Tech and TCU. Throwing too tall. It was pulled in. Green caught it. Do the, you believe it? The ball and gets green. tipped. The ball gets tipped in the back of the end zone. And... Uh, a TCU player, their number three at the time, comes in and, and makes a grab. This is a high-scoring game against the Texas Tech team that's led by Pat Mahomes, as a matter of fact. And then Mahomes has a chance down. with no time left, an untimed down. Mahomes setting his feet. Mahomes is at the, the 45 or so. Extending the play. Wow. Can he get one off? He does float it downfield. Finds a man. 
They close in on the 30 yard line. He pitches it to a, to a lineman who carries it for about seven yards. Oh, they get knocked out at the 10. 55-52, TCU survives that game. Then you got the, the uh, what was the one, the miracle at Jordan-Hare? Georgia-Auburn. Oh, deep ball. That, that victory, the same year that Auburn knocked off Alabama with the kick six. Uh, just an unbelievable moment uh, in that ball game. And and golly, I start watching these things. It really made me think about the fact that I need this in my life this fall. <laughs> I need these night games under the lights, uh, these incredible moments that stick with us and are etched in our minds and probably will be in, until the day we die. Just what happened, even if you weren't a part of these teams, uh, even if you weren't invested, here's the kick six call. What a fantastic call. 57 yards. 28-28, one second left. Alabama goes for the field goal. This is what we all love. Returned by Chris Davis. Davis goes left. Davis gets a block. That stadium. No flags. The stadium is shaking. The camera, when the cameras are shaking. Ah. Oh, that coming to you from CBS Sports on the SEC. Ah. Oh, wow. How beautiful are those moments? How incredible uh, is that sport that we love, that we tune in to talk about? It's amazing. And there's no question in my mind that if you if we if we have to live through a fall without it this year, hearts will be broken everywhere. Just trust me. Flip on put on your old Google machine the college football miracle finishes and uh you will appreciate uh, some of the greatest plays and moments uh, in sports history uh, it's phenomenal and I've only, I've only watched about five minutes during the break and I was like hold up we got to share a few of these because they were just so awesome I'll tell you another one too uh, the Oklahoma Boise State Fiesta Bowl this is one I don't know if I've shown my son this game or not but with the Statue of Liberty and the the, the um, hook and lateral and everything that went into the, the latter moments of that game after Boise was controlling it, and it was like heartbreaking to watch them fall off because they were like Gonzaga at one point in the NCAA basketball tournament. Like nobody expected them to be there. They're like, Butler, you shouldn't be there. You just want them to finally do it. Boom! Hook and lateral, and then the Statue of Liberty, a version of the Statue of Liberty we'd never seen. 
Again, college football miracle finishes. Part one was what we were just watching. Stay with us. What have you done for me lately? It's a fair question. Just don't lose sight of the bigger picture. Don't forget history. Lucky for us at Clemson, the answer to the questions, what have you done for me lately, and what have you done always, are the same. We win. Google machine it. (laughs) Y'all, the finish of that Stanford-Cal game with the band being on the field, I I just can't get over it. I watched it several times during the break. Uh, Fantastic finishes. I don't know if this show will have one, but those games, those games did. Thank you to Richmond Weaver. Thank you to uh, Clemson Tom. And again, uh, the biggest news... Uh, out of Tiger Town today uh, is, of course, the commitment uh, to Clemson uh, from four-star wide receiver out of the Fort Lauderdale, Florida area, Troy Stiletto. Uh, Troy committing to Clemson uh, earlier and announcing his decision, saying that he kind of fell in love with everything that they preach about how they run their program and really likes Dabo Swinney, really likes Coach uh, – Grisham as well at wide receiver, Tyler Grisham. And he said, I feel like I couldn't go wrong with either school. He was down to Clemson and Ohio State. He said, but he had a gut feeling that that's where I wanted to be. And he loves everything about Clemson. He said it also kind of played into the factor that you can read more about this and watch the entire commitment video over on ClemsonSportsTalk.com. But he also said that uh, he was a a guy who – because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Clemson was his final visit. And that was a huge factor, he said. So he said they told him a lot of things he really wanted to hear. It felt like home. So uh, the Tigers get their third four-star wide receiver in this class, joining Dakari Collins and Bo Collins. Uh, Bo Collins from uh, California uh, over on the West Coast. And then now... Uh, Stilato joining Clemson from uh, the Florida area. And again, that full full interview with him uh, is up. And he's the 14th commit in Clemson's 2021 class. And right now, if you look at the overall uh, star ratings, you know, from that standpoint, we're talking about a class that, in in my estimation, I mean, is a strong group of individuals and yeah you've got uh, the different uh, not measurements but you know the 
different weights are given depending on you know whether it's rivals or two four seven or ESPN. But you know we've got that uh, rating that breaks down the national average. And uh, when you look at that all told, I mean, you're talking about uh, some significant four-star commits being a part of this upcoming 2021 group. I mean, it is not going to be a huge class. One wouldn't expect. Uh, But right now with 14 guys committed, we think it could be between 18, maybe 20, depending on attrition, uh, depending on what takes place uh, over the course of the year uh, when it comes down to players. And I I guess you also kind of have to wonder how a a guy like Justin Ross and the fact that instead of most likely being, you know, or having turned pro at the end of this season, uh, assuming he would have done that, you now have to recognize that he'll be back for another year. So last season's class was a, a group of 24 players. Uh, the 2019 group had 29 total guys, and the 2018 group had 17. So this has traditionally been, uh, I believe, their smaller cycle number uh, these years. So 18, 19 or so maybe, but right now sitting on 14, and uh, the majority of those guys, four-star or better. And uh, I think we've got every single player outside of Bubba Chandler, the quarterback commit, on Clemson's Sports Talk, I think we have them rated 90 or above every single player in Clemson's group right now. So you can head over there and look at that entire class. But again, Dakari Collins from Powder Springs, Georgia, uh, Bo Collins from Bellflower, California, and now the third wide receiver in that group, Troy Stiletto, uh, is a part of that as well. So pretty awesome. And we're going to try to catch up with Troy a little bit later this weekend for you. Again, don't forget, Clemson's greatest games – uh, it's going to be on television this weekend. It kicks off tomorrow uh, on WSPA. And uh, HR, I don't, I don't know which game he's talking about here. HR chimes into the show via the text line. Uh, he did want me to sing some Hall of Notes earlier. I'm sorry uh, that I did not do that, HR. But he said that game, uh, Brent Venables looked bad. Maybe maybe you're talking about the – were you talking about the Syracuse-Clemson game, I guess, possibly? I'm not sure which one you were talking about, HR. I apologize. I did not see that uh, any earlier in the show. But uh, our buddy Mark Childress is a big part of this thing. And you know the Mark Childress show is now being uh, hosted uh, in podcast form on our website as well, on ClemsonSportsHub.com. But here's the rundown real quick, and I'm going to hustle. It's on WSPA in the Upstate, Saturday at 7.30 p.m. In Augusta on WJBF at 11.35 p.m. Sunday. So that's, I guess, Sunday evening. Uh, WBTW in Myrtle Beach will carry it Sunday morning at 11.30 a.m. Uh, WCBD in Charleston will carry it at noon on Sunday. And Watch Fox 57 uh, in the Midlands will carry it Sunday at 10.30 a.m. So, again, Clemson's greatest games. Check that out this weekend. We will definitely be talking about that on the Monday edition of the show that shakes the Southland. I hope you have a great weekend. Be the change that you want to see in the world. We will be back right here uh, on Monday for you. And until then, as always, y'all take care now. And go Tigers!